Amen. All right. Take your Bible with me this morning. This morning. I don't know when it is. I don't know where I'm at. Good gracious. Tonight. Take your Bible with me tonight. I only see the big three windows back here. It's all dark outside. First Samuel, please. First Samuel. Chapter 18. I've been driving all day. It's been some kind of a day. And I'm glad to be here. I'm not complaining. Don't. I'm not, I, I say it like this, I'm not hating, I'm just stating, all right? I, it's not a, not a drudgery, but I was woke up real early this morning, had a lady in our church that uh, um, she had a stroke about a month ago, and, and then uh, uh, she's been in the nursing home, and she just, she was doing a little better, but just took a turn for the worse all of a sudden, and uh, her daughter called me this morning real early and, and uh, let me know what was going on, and we had church this morning there in Mississippi, and uh, had some other things go had some other things going on this morning. Miss Faye, our secretary, Miss Faye Duggan, she's going for chemo and radiation. I talked to her, and my little boy turned ten today, and I was on the phone with him. And man, just a whole lot of stuff going on right before church, and then church, and then and drove all the way over here. I literally left uh, service there, got in the got in the truck there, and drove all the way over. And I stopped somewhere in Alabama. I don't even know. Don't really matter, but. Uh, Somewhere in Alabama, and uh, used restroom, filled up my tank, and uh, grabbed a pack of M and M's, and then jumped back in the truck. And man, it got me off of Trenton, Georgia. I don't know where I was. I was some windy roads back through there, and uh, but I made it here, and I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out. wasn't in the plan. wasn't in my plan when I got up this morning to be here, but I feel like it was in the Lord's plan. And uh, if not, then uh, we'll just blame Brother Gravely for it. It was in. It was in his plan. And uh, no, I don't. I don't doubt that man. I man, whatever he said. I, if, if it's God's will, all right, that's fine with me. It's uh, I don't doubt him one bit. But I want to give you what's on my heart, man. Every everything tonight's been about the goodness of God and the grace of God and thankfulness. And uh, nothing I have is about any of those things tonight. So uh, I'm sorry on, on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm not. I feel like it's the Lord's will, and uh, I, I got some other thing. I guess I got a whole hard drive full of outlines, but I only got one message on my heart, Amen. and so I want to give it to you, and I may, I don't know how preachy I'm going to get, it's just, I don't know, I'm just, just going to mind the Lord, and I know you don't mind around here, but just telling you, and I appreciate this church so very much, I love you, love, love Bible Baptist, and uh, whenever, I'm not going to say if, but I'm going to say whenever they kick me out of Walters Grove Baptist Church, because it's inevitable, I mean, it, we can all see it coming. And whenever they get rid of me and, and throw me out, uh, I'm probably going to land right here, all right? So uh, my family and uh, <clears throat> probably need a good love offering too, you know, so uh, whenever we can. I got four kids, you know, so. And uh, whenever they do. I mean, they did a big pastor appreciation thing a couple weeks ago, but I don't believe it. I was real skeptical of the whole thing. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. But anyway, uh, let's stand together. First Samuel 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'll give you the burden uh, that's on my heart this evening. Uh, look with me, if you will, in verse 5, please. 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. The Bible says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass... As they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. 
And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? I think Saul was on to something. What do you think? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. I want to stop reading right there, but if you'll leave your Bible open, we're going to reference some other verses that's in this chapter here. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, I thank you for Wednesday night church. Thankful for a place carved out right in the middle of the week where we can come and get, get filled back up. And Lord, I'm thankful for churches that still have Wednesday night, still put emphasis on it. It's not a secondary service, but uh, Lord, a place we can come. And Lord, you can meet with us. And Lord, I pray that you would touch me. Lord, you know I'm a little, little weary uh, today and a lot of things going on today. But God, I know this isn't about me. It's not about my ability. It's not about my sufficiency. So I pray that you'd fill me with the Spirit of God and you'd use me for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. 1 Samuel 18 introduces David uh, to a brand new world. It's, a, it's a, a realm that he has never been a part of before. And the way he entered into that realm was what took place in chapter 17 uh, when he defeated Goliath. And, uh, and out of nowhere, it seemingly, this young man, of course we know a little bit more about him, but uh, to the uh, nation of Israel, they had never seen this young man. All of a sudden, he steps out in the middle of that valley and takes care of a giant problem that the nation of Israel had and it immediately thrusts him into the spotlight. It immediately puts him uh, into, uh, into a position of uh, notoriety. Uh, and uh, he's the giant slayer. He's the giant killer. He's invited by Saul back to the palace, back to Jerusalem, and uh, he's immediately opened, his, his, his uh, life is opened up to uh, doors that have never been opened up to him before. Uh, he is uh, hobnobbing, he's rubbing shoulders with the royal family. Uh, he is uh, giving, uh, he's had opportunities of positions that uh, he would have never had before. He's given military uh, authority and given access to the throne room to go in and to play his heart for King Saul. And we find out as we read further in chapter 18 that he eventually becomes a son-in-law to the king. He marries Michael, the daughter of Saul. And so he's opened up to a brand new world where he's just a nobody from nowhere, on the backside of nowhere, uh, with a nowhere job and, and, and a job for nobodies, keeping the sheep. And now all of a sudden, uh, in just a, matter of, uh, just a matter of time, he's uh, famous all throughout Israel. Uh, he's a military captain. Uh, he is given access to the throne room, a seat at the table of the king, and now now he's in the king's family. Uh, this is an amazing turn of events that has taken place 
in the life of David. And we find here as we uh, read about the life of David, we find out that David reveres Saul. He has respect for Saul. He genuinely loves Saul. Saul is his king. And, and just, by, uh, uh, just by token of him being in the position that he is in, and David loving God and having a pure heart, uh, he loves the authority that God has put in his life. And he loves Saul. And he genuinely tries to be a blessing to the house of Saul. But unfortunately, we find out as we read chapter 18 here that these sentiments were not reciprocated back toward David. It was a one-way street. David loved Saul. David respected Saul. David had admiration for Saul. But we find out through a turn of events that Saul did not respect David. Saul did not love David. Saul did not appreciate David in the same way. And in our text, we find out that Saul even tries to kill David with a javelin. Not once, but twice. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If a man throws a pointy object at me one time, I'm not going back in there to play my banjo for him again. I don't care how much he likes it. I don't care how much he appreciates it. I'm sorry. Listen, you start throwing pointy stuff at me, it's not just I'm sorry. You know, I just I, I don't know what happened. It's just we, that ain't happening again, but it happened twice. And, uh, and so we find out that Saul tries to kill David. He tries to scheme to get rid of David. He's conspiring against David. And, and there's a hatred that is formed in the heart of Saul uh, towards David. Now, let me ask you a question. Why in the world would a king want to get rid of his most loyal captain? Why would he want to get rid of a man that loves him and a man that, uh, that uh, reveres him and a man that respects him and a man that has helped him and a man that uh, wants to be a blessing to him? Why would he want to kill one of the best soldiers that he had, uh, one of the best subjects that he had, uh, one of the best son-in-laws that he had? Why would a man uh, have those feelings uh, that come up inside of him? And as we read and as we study, I believe it can all be summed up in one word. Why Saul felt that way towards David? It's the word jealousy. Saul was jealous of David. It all began when Saul felt like David was getting more attention than Saul was getting. It all took place and it all began when Saul felt like David was getting more affection than Saul was getting. And that little ugly monster, that green-eyed monster was born inside of the heart and the soul of King Saul. And again, and from that day forward, verse 9 says that he eyed David. He kept his eye on him. And it goes on to tell us that verse number 12, that he was afraid of David. All of these feelings uh, wrapped up, it all points to the signs of jealousy. Uh, Saul was jealous of David. Jealousy is a sin. Jealousy is a cruel uh, thing. It's very, very cruel. I was reading the uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I just read the whole thing from cover to cover. It's a great book. You ought to read it sometime. gets a little dry in the middle but has a great ending. The Z's are wonderful once you get to the end there. But I particularly got hung up on this word jealousy in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you ought to read that book. It's great. 
Jealousy, 1828, Webster's Dictionary. It's a long definition, but if you'll listen, let me, let me give it to you. Very, very interesting what Mr. Webster had to say about jealousy. He said it's uh, that passion of peculiar uneasiness which arises from the fear that a rival may rob us of the affection of one whom we love or the suspicion that he's already done it. Or it is the uneasiness which arises from the fear that another does or will enjoy some advantage which we desire for ourselves. And then he wraps it up and he says, In short, jealousy is awakened by whatever may exalt others and give them pleasures and advantages which we desire for ourselves. That's what jealousy is. Jealousy, the Bible says, is cruel as the grave. That Song of Solomon 8, 6. It's cruel as the grave. Somebody once said that jealousy uh, separates... Uh, oh, well, the grave is cruel. Grave separates the dead and the living. The living from the dead. But jealousy separates the living from the living. How many relationships have been severed because of jealousy? How many church families have been split apart because of jealousy? Uh, how many church bodies can't fellowship with a church that preaches the same gospel and, and sings the same songs and uses the same King James Bible, but they can't be friends. Preachers can't be friends. Churches can't be friends because of jealousy. Jealousy separates the living from the living. It's a cruel thing. It's it's almost like a funeral has already taken place while somebody's still living and still breathing because of jealousy. And it's amazing the way that we, uh, we, we hide our jealousy and we cover up our jealousy and we rename our jealousy. We'll say, yeah, I'm not jealous of them. It's just this or it's just that. And we'll, we'll, we'll excuse it and we'll rationalize it. And I'm going to tell you what, I believe this with all my heart. Satan wants to get inside this church any way he can. Any way he can. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not picky about the ways he'll try to get in and divide a church. He'll do it any way he possibly can. And if he can come through the avenue of jealousy, and if he can come through, uh, 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 through that channel right there, well, listen, he'll do it in a heartbeat, no doubt about that. Families in the church, jealous one of another. Preachers in the church, jealous one of another. Singers in the church, jealous one of another. And I'm going to tell you what, he'll come in any way that he can. And we try to mask it. We try to robe it. We try to call it something different. We'll say, well, uh, we'll try to pick things out about people we don't like when all the while it's nothing more than jealousy is all it is. That's what I want to preach on just a minute. If I had a title tonight, it would just be this. It's just jealousy is all it is. It's just jealousy. As I read chapter 18, I see a couple factors that I want you to consider tonight uh, from our story here in chapter 18 when examining your own heart. Now, this isn't for you to examine your brother or sister across the church tonight and say, yeah, they're jealous. No, it ain't about they being jealous. I want you to examine your own heart tonight. I know you heard that story about the, about the man uh, uh, at church. The preacher was always trying to preach to him. You've heard. I know you have. It's one of them stories every Baptist preacher's told. But the, I mean, that preacher, he tried, he, this man come to church. He didn't live right. And he didn't do right. And he just, but he'd come in church acting like he was the most spiritual thing. And that preacher, every time he'd get up and preach, I mean, he aimed right at that man and preached right at him. Now, let me just stop and say by experience, that never works. That's 
it don't ever work. Try to aim at somebody and preach at somebody, it don't ever work. And it didn't work for this guy either. It didn't get it. And, and, and the preacher would get him, and every day when the man walked out the door, he would always say, you got him today, preacher. You got him today. How many of y'all remember that story right there? You got him today. And the preacher's, I mean, he's so frustrated because he's thinking, well, I'm preaching at you, you dummy. I mean, you can't figure it out. And, uh, of course, there was a snowstorm, and nobody came to church but that man. He was the only one. He's the only one sitting on a pew. And the preacher preached and let him. He thought, I'm going to get him today. And, of course, the man, when he walked out the door after the preacher just let him have it, said, preacher, if they'd have been here today, you would have got him. Amen. <laughs> no doubt about it. And, of course, that's how we feel about it. We're really good at applying messages to somebody else. I hear a message all the time think, man, my wife should have heard that right there. No doubt about it. Amen. She needed that. And I know you do the same thing. This ain't for you to examine. Examine your own selves tonight. Examine your heart. And let me give you a couple factors that I see here from the, from the text, from this story here, that, that, that indicate that there is a struggle with jealousy in our heart. By the way, I'll just be honest say I struggle with it. There's times I feel that little ugly monster raising up its head inside of me. And, and I tell you, and so the reason I can tell you, and I've seen these things, is because God pointed them out to me and poked my heart with these things. Let me show you a couple factors that indicate that we're struggling with jealousy and that it's just jealousy in our life. Number one, first of all, I want you to notice the praise factor. The praise factor. Let me, let me give you a question to ask yourself tonight. Ask yourself this question. Uh, does it bother me? Does it bother you when you're not the one receiving praise? Can you give others praise without constantly needing it for yourself? Do you struggle with, with, with complimenting and encouraging somebody else or does it stir up a bad spirit on the inside of you when somebody else is recognized and somebody else is lifted up? You remember where all this started? The beginning of the end of the relationship between Saul and David happened when they were coming back into Jerusalem from the slaughter of the Philistines. And if you'll read it here in verse number 6, the Bible says when they were returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, or the Philistine, talking about Goliath there, that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. Now, this was not an unfamiliar thing to Saul. Saul was a man of war. Saul had many conquests in his, uh, uh, during his reign. And I'm sure this was a familiar thing. He would go beat up on the enemies he would go win the battle and then he would ride into town and here come the women I mean they're out there singing and dancing and, and they got their tambourines and they're doing all that and here comes Saul and he comes into town it's a familiar thing for him but you, can you imagine David he's never seen anything like this before he's never experienced anything like this before you don't get women singing and dancing and, and tambourining on the backside of the wilderness when you're keeping a bunch of sheep that's not what happens out there and so David's never seen anything like this before. And he comes in riding with Saul. And Saul says, David, you're going to like this. Amen. All the women come out singing. And they start singing, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul's just, I mean, I can just see him glowing with pride right there. He says, David, this is my favorite song. I love this song. I love it when they sing this song. It's such a great song. Listen to this. you got to hear this song. Saul is slain his thousands. And man, they're singing it and they're dancing in there. I mean, all kind. they got their banners and their signs and all that. Just leave me alone. Let me think about it. I mean, the way I want to think about it. But 
He's, uh, man, they're coming in there and, and, uh, and Saul has slain his thousands. And, man, Saul's all excited. And, man, David, I love his song. It's, man, it's my favorite song and he's grooving to the music and all that. But all of a sudden, he hears a verse that he ain't never heard before. And he perks up. He said, what in the world? He said, they've done that at another verse of my favorite song. Now, how many of you know you ain't supposed to touch? When it's your favorite song, don't, touch, don't add nothing to favorite song, your favorite song. now. Don't be touching my song. And so he said, what in the world? I ain't never, they, they done added a second verse to his song. Oh, and it made him mad because it went something like this. Saul has slain his thousands. That's verse one. And he likes that verse. But then the second verse says something like this, and David his ten thousands. And Saul said, he looked at David, and looking around said, I don't like that verse at all. And from that moment, there was jealousy born in the heart of Saul or exposed or come to the surface or magnified or however it happened in his heart. And this is the beginning of the end of the relationship between Saul and David because jealousy is a relationship killer as we've already noted. Jealousy comes in the heart of someone who has a need for constant praise. Some people can never give praise and they can never stomach somebody else getting praise because they constantly need it for themselves. They have to be encouraged all the time and they got to be patted on the back and they got to be recognized and they got to be lifted up and they got to be exalted and they can't stand for somebody else to steal their limelight, for somebody else to get in the spotlight because they always need Jealousy causes anger towards somebody that's receiving praise instead of themselves. Jealousy will deprive you of the joy that comes from watching others get recognition and watching others get elevated and watching others get praised sometimes. Listen, I'll tell you what, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you constantly need that accolade and need that applause and you need that recognition and you need that for yourself, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to lead a miserable life. Somebody said the smallest package is a man wrapped up in himself if it's all about you all the time I tell you what will bless your heart is if you go out and try to be an encouragement to somebody else is if when somebody else has a success when somebody else has a victory when somebody else gains something even something that you wanted even something that you feel like you deserve but they get it if you'll just join in the party if Saul would have just started singing that second verse instead of getting sour about that second verse he'd have been a lot better off from that time forward, I'm talking about he had a man that loved him. He had a man that was loyal to him. He had a man that would literally die for him. And instead of him enjoying that relationship, his whole the rest of Saul's life was a miserable existence because he couldn't control his jealousy. He couldn't stand for somebody else to get praise if it wasn't directed at him. And it's deprived them of the joy that comes from elevating somebody else. And I tell you what, in a lot of ways, social media has really multiplied and magnified this problem because people uh, have been given immediate access to the areas of life that maybe you wouldn't know about people if it wasn't for social media. Everybody puts, everybody puts their good things on social media well, other than the people that put all their bad things on social media. But everybody, everybody wants you to see, you know, the preacher don't ever put something on Facebook or on 
on whatever when, it, when, when it's a bad day and said, you know what, people complained and 17 families were out and the offering wasn't like, I may not even get a paycheck this week. And you know, They don't put that on. It's when somebody gets saved and there's a good crowd in church and when all that, and when everybody, and I tell you, listen, don't compare your everyday life to somebody's highlight reel that they want you to see on social media. It sparks jealousy. And then people put things out on Facebook so that they can get likes and so that they can be recognized. And people actually start sinking into a depression when they feel like they're not getting the recognition and the attention that they deserve. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a spiritually unhealthy life to live. Do you know that? This constant need for praise, for somebody to acknowledge you, for somebody to... To, to, to magnify you, for somebody to hit them likes for you. Yes. It's not healthy. It's not holy. Right. It's jealousy. Right. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. If you can only rejoice when others are weeping and if you can only weep when others are rejoicing, you struggle with jealousy. When somebody else has a success, you ought to be able to get in there and be excited with them. Some people, they can only be happy if somebody else is suffering because it makes them feel bigger and better than that other person. And some people, when somebody else is blessed, somebody else gets a raise, somebody else gets the promotion, somebody else gets the new house, gets the new car, gets the whatever, even something that that person might have been praying for, then it caught, when somebody else has something to rejoice over, if it causes you to weep when they're rejoicing, that's jealousy. God help us. We ought to weep with those that are weeping. We ought to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Amen? Talking about the praise factor. Examine your heart about that. Can you rejoice? With those that rejoice. Let me give you another one. How many of y'all still with me? Say amen. Amen. Not only the praise factor. Let me give you another one to consider tonight about jealousy. How about the peace factor? This is an interesting one. Uh, Look at verse number 12. Let me show you something. Of course, we know in verse number 10, Saul had an evil spirit that come on him. Look at verse number 12, though. The Bible says that Saul was afraid of David. Now, why was he... And, and by the way, that's, that's, a, that's a part of jealousy is fear because you're afraid that somebody's going to take something from you. You're afraid that you're something slipping out of your grasp, slipping out of your hand. You're afraid of that. It's fear. And look at what it says. Why was he afraid of David? Look what it says. Because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. I want to tell you why Saul was jealous toward David because Saul did not have the peace of God in his life. He did not have the peace of God in his life. Ask yourself this question right here. Do do I really believe having the Lord with me is enough to be secure in who I am 
in Christ, having the Lord with me, is that enough? Having Jesus on your side, is that enough? Let me tell you why a lot of people get jealous is because they're really insecure. At the root of it all, there's an insecurity. There's there's an insecurity under the surface because when you're not right with God and when you're not where you need to be with the Lord, there is a fear that comes over you. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my blessings. I'm going to lose things in my life. And there is a a fear that grips your heart. And anytime somebody else is being blessed while you're not and you have to watch that, you feel like this is the beginning of the end. This is when it all goes away. This is when I lose it all. But when you're walking with the Lord and you got the peace of God in your heart and you know you're where you need to be with God, listen, you can rejoice with those that are rejoicing because you know you're with God and you're where you got the peace of God living in your heart and so it frees you up to rejoice with others that are rejoicing. Tell you where Saul's problem started. Started a couple chapters ago. When Samuel came and highlighted the disobedience in Saul's life and he said, God's going to take this kingdom away from you. And he's going to give it to somebody else. This kingdom is not yours anymore, Saul. It's going to be given to somebody. And ever since that day, he was a miserable man. Ever since that day, the peace of God was absent from his heart. Ever since that day, every little, every little thing that happened in his life, he's like, I wonder if that, is that it? Is that when the kingdom leaves? Is that when it goes? Is that when it goes? And we know that's what's on Saul's mind because isn't that what he said in verse number uh, 8 when he said, David, uh, let's see, they, they ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed but thousands. But what can he have more but the what? He's worried about losing the kingdom. He's going to slip away. It's going to go away. There it goes. Here it is. Everybody that arose in Saul's life, he said, is that the one that's going to take it? Is that the one that's going to take it? Is that? He was an insecure man. He had no peace in his heart. And someone that's secure in their heart, they know where they stand in the Lord, with the Lord. They're right with God. They're walking with God. Listen, they can work with other people. Listen to this. They can work with other people that are more talented than them. They can work with other people that are more skilled than they are. They can work with other people that are better with them. You know why? Because they're not worried. they got the peace of God in their heart. Saul's fear was inflamed because his security was gone. And he had no security. He had lost the source of security. Our security comes from God. Listen, our security is not in who we are. Our security is in whose we are. That's where it comes from. And I'll tell you what, when you're walking with God, that peace floods your soul and you're not worried. Listen, you lose your job, uh, something bad happens, your car breaks down. You're not always worried in the back of your mind. Is this the judgment of God on my life? Is this the hammer falling down? Is this it? Is this it for me? Am I losing everything? Because you know you got the peace of God in your heart. You're walking with the Lord. There's a peace factor. Sense of security that comes from walking with God. It's amazing how just being right with God and having that peace in your own heart will eliminate all jealousy. It'll take care of all of it. Because it's okay. Listen, you're thankful for what God's given you. A lot of this, talking about thankfulness, a lot of this, a lot of the peace comes from actually just being thankful with what God has given you. Are you at peace? Are you truly at peace with what God has given you? If you're really thankful for what God has given you, then what does it matter if somebody else gets something better than you? See, a lot of our problem is we're not really thankful for what we have. 
We're not really thankful for what we have. We're thankful that what we have is better than what somebody else has. And there's a difference. Can you only be happy in the car you drive if it's better than your neighbor's car? Can you only be happy in, and thankful for the house you live in if it's bigger and better than somebody else's? Can you only be thankful for your church if it's better than somebody else's church? Listen, it ought not to matter if somebody's got something bigger or better or worse or different than you. Listen, if you're truly thankful for what you have, then you're just truly thankful for what you got. And it don't matter. See, Saul's peace was gone. His peace was gone and it exposed his jealousy. Praise factor, peace factor. Let me give you this last one. I'm done. I hope this is making a little bit of sense. It's just a little, just a little study, just a little study tonight of this, this little story. Uh, the, the, the praise factor, the peace factor. Let me give you the last one. I'm done. I call it the pressure factor. Here's something else that indicate if you're struggling with jealousy in your heart. The pressure factor. Ask yourself this question. Do I try to pressure people into disliking the same people that I don't like? Is the disapproval of certain people a requirement for you to be my friend? Let me show you something. And this is something the Lord showed me in this, in this chapter right here. Look at, uh, look at verse number 1 of chapter 18 here, our chapter. Verse 1, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Now I want you to notice this. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Mark this down. Jonathan loved David. Now look at verse number 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now mark this down. All the people love David. Saul's servants love David. Now look at verse number 16. But all Israel and Judah love David. Y'all getting this? Everybody loves David. Nobody has a problem with David. Jonathan loves David. The servants of Saul love David. All of Israel and Judah love David. Look at verse number 20. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. Everybody loves David. He's a lovable guy. He's a likable guy. And then it's kind of summed up in verse number 30 when it says the princes of the Philistines went forth and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much, here look at this little phrase, set by. His name was much set by. If you look up that little phrase, it just simply means that his name was elevated. It was exalted. It was precious. It was prized. He had a good name. He had a good reputation. Every where David went. They said, oh, David, how are you doing? Man, I love you, man. And everybody, every time his name come up in conversation all around the whole country of Israel, they said, man, David, I like that guy. Ain't he a good guy? Man, what a warrior. What a, what, man, he can play that heart, man. I'm telling you what, I mean, I heard him playing Foggy Mountain Breakdown on that thing the other day, and he was tearing it up. Man, is there anything he can't do? He can kill giants, and he can play the banjo, and man, he can do everything. He can do all that. Everybody loves David in the whole kingdom. But that all changed. That all changed. I know we still had some allies here and there, but it wasn't long that everybody, especially those servants of Saul, which the Bible tells us they liked him. They, the servants of Saul loved David. But guess what? There went a memo. That's right. 
Saul sent a memo out to everybody in the kingdom said, guess what? We can't like David anymore. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 19. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all the servants that they should what? Kill David. Can you kill David? Can you imagine when Saul said, yeah, all right, everybody, listen. Here's the plan. We're going to kill David. Kill David? We love David. We like David. But Saul's position and his popularity and his power and his authority influenced everybody, influenced a group of people. Not to like a guy that everybody loved. Nobody had a problem with David. But because one man had a problem with David, then that means anybody that wants to be that one man's friend, they all have to have a problem with David. Can I tell you what that is? It's just jealousy. It's just jealousy. That's all it is right there. People that struggle with jealousy, they not only harbor hatred in their heart towards someone, but they try to influence everybody else to hate that same person as well. You can't be my friend unless you don't like all the people I don't like. Can I just give you a little PSA right here, a little public service announcement? You ready? Here it is. Stay away from them people. The kind of people that say, I can only be your friend and you can only be my friend. If you hate all the people that I hate, guess what? They ain't worth having as a friend anyway. The people that give you the ultimatum and say, look, you can be in my clique, but you can't like anybody else in all these other, uh, all these other cliques around the church and everybody else. You can't do that. Listen, I'm going to tell you what, that's not the kind of people you need to be. That's probably not a healthy relationship that you're involved in right there. And, I, you know, I live in the preacher world. I can't help it sometimes. It's so, and I'm sure it's this way everywhere, but in the preacher world, Brother Gravely, it seems like it's very, very I mean, it's like a bunch of 12-year-old schoolgirls. Not that I ever was one. <laughs> Let the record show. But, <laughs> but I had a sister, and I know she preached here a couple weeks ago, didn't she? Yeah. My mom was here uh, for the ladies thing when my sister spoke here, and I made her tell me, I said, all right, who's the better preacher? Tell me who it is now. Tell me who it is. She's about jealousy. My sister, she's so jealous of me. I don't blame her, though. <laughs> anyway, how, oh, man, I remember when Courtney was... Uh, I remember when she was younger and, and uh, I was, I, she, when she was 11, 12 years old, I'd been 15, 16 years old. And, you know, they have, there's a group of girls at school and they all, and, and they, they all were friends. There's like four or five of them. They're all friends except one. One is on the outside. And then every week they would rotate. They would pick a different girl to be mad at. Y'all ain't like that. I know y'all ain't. There ain't no way in the world y'all like that. But there, I know, but I'm just telling you, it's out there, other places. So watch out for it, all right? But there's always one. It's got to be on the outside. I mean, they would be mean to that girl. Whoever it is, why ever they chose her, I have no idea. Some kind of little female, innate, something going on there, something in nature. But uh, about them, I don't know what's going on. But somebody had to be out on the outside, and then they would swap. And then at one point, it was my sister's turn to be on the outside. That was always my favorite week. That really was. I don't know why, just something cruel inside of me about that. But and and just all it's always like it. And I tell you, it seems like it's all always that way amongst even when we grow up, even when we get a little bit older, we don't all grow up all the way, do we? And I've seen that amongst preachers. Well, you can't preach for me if you're friends with so and so and you're this and I'm gonna be honest, listen. Listen, there may be some of you in here and you got some favorite preachers. There's probably some preachers that preach for Brother Gravely. Listen, I'm gonna be honest, I just I probably don't like. You probably preach for some guys, Brother Gravity. I'm be honest, I just probably don't like. But guess what? Who gives a rip? That's right. 
I probably got some preacher friends and people preaching you probably don't like. But it doesn't matter. It, man, that stuff is so silly, so trivial. When we get jealous, we think that there's a friendship that we're going to lose. We think there's some influence that's going to be taken away. We start saying, you got to hate. We start to vilify other people and say, you got to hate that person. You got to kill that person. Not literally, but you got to, you got to, you got to. You've got to mark that person. There's something wrong with that person when all the while, if you get to the bottom of it, it's just jealousy is all it is. Can you be honest with yourself and just say, if you don't like somebody, just be honest about it. Say, I just don't like them. They're just, they're just not my cup of tea. Why do you gotta why do you gotta demonize them? Why do you gotta vilify them? Why does there gotta be something wrong with them? I'll tell you why it is, it's because it eases your conscience about your jealousy. It makes you feel better about being jealous. Then the problem's not with you, the problem's with them. And life is so much simpler when everybody else has problems, isn't it? It really is. When I'm perfect and everybody else is the problem, I tell you it's great. Tell you what's hard to do. It's hard to say, Lord, I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm just jealous of them. I'm afraid they're going to rob me of a friendship that I value. I'm afraid they're going to rob me of, of some influence that I'd like to have. I'm afraid they're going to, whatever, whatever the fear might be. Don't be somebody that pressures somebody into different friendships. Don't be somebody that's pressured into those things. It's just jealousy is all it is. Everybody had to hate David. Because Saul hated David. David was a good man. There wasn't nothing wrong with David. Saul had no legitimate reason to want to kill David at all whatsoever other than the fact he was jealous. What a cruel thing jealousy is. What a cruel thing. Search your heart. Pray that God would help you be so secure in who you are in the Lord your position in Christ that you can rejoice with other people when they rejoice. You can cry and weep with them when they weep. You're not worried about who's friends with who and who's hanging out with who and who's doing... None of that stuff matters. God's been good to me. God's blessed me. God has... It doesn't matter. Listen, if my neighbor gets blessed with 10,000 times more what I have, it don't matter. It makes me think of that story about the, about the man who... Uh, uh, found a uh, found a, a lamp with a genie in it. True story. This is a true story, no doubt about it. And he got three wishes, three wishes. This is true. This is a true story. I read it in like Reader's Digest or something. He got he got uh, maybe it's chicken soup. Chicken soup for the Independent Fundamental Baptist preacher's soul. I think that's where it was. He found it. Three wishes he gets, but the only but this genie was a little different because every wish that he every wish that he gave his mother-in-law would get twice as much. Double. Whatever he wished for, his mother-in-law would get double. He said, that's kind of odd, but okay. So he first said, well, I want a million dollars. He got a million dollars, but he looked over there and his mother-in-law had two million dollars. And he said, I don't really like that, but whatever. He said, I, I, want, a, I want a large mansion. I want a, I want a big mansion. And he got a big old mansion. But he looked over and his mother-in-law, she had a mansion twice as big as his. And he didn't like it one bit. He couldn't stand to see his mother-in-law get blessed like that. So he thought about it and thought about it. And he told that genie, he said, all right, I know what I want. He said, I want you to beat me half to death. That's what I want you to do. <laughs> Amen. 
Some people would rather be half to, beat half to death and blessed just so nobody else gets a blessing. It's jealousy is all it is. Satan will do anything, I said to begin with, but Satan will do anything to disrupt the unity in this church. Don't be the door. Don't be the avenue through which he can come in and disrupt the unity in this church. Search your heart. I struggle with it. I do. I struggle with it. See somebody else get something that, that I like. I mean, I got desires. I got dreams in my heart what I want God to do in my life, my ministry, and I see those, those very specific things coming to pass in other people's life. And sometimes, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but sometimes my first birth kicks in first. My, my flesh kicks in first and says, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. I had a man get mad at me a couple years ago. Uh, well, I've had a bunch of people get mad at me, but this particular one, he, uh, he, he, was just, he was just a bitter man. He was a bitter man. He was a preacher of all things. Sometimes preachers will give you trouble <laughs> in the church. And he was a preacher. And he was just, he was just bitter at the way things... He'd been on the mission field and he'd come back and just things weren't working out the way he wanted to. And he was just real bitter about it. And I'm a young preacher. I can't help it. I mean, I can't, I mean, I can't help it. I didn't discover a miracle in 1987. I didn't have anything to do with that. I can't help it I'm a young preacher. I can't help it I'm a young pastor. God's blessed me. God's been really good to me. I, I mean, I, I can't help any of those things. But obviously it was, it was a sticking point for him. He didn't like it. And he finally just let me have it. The, the, the dam broke, if you will. And he just, he, he just let it all, what he felt about me, and he let it all come out. And I got upset about what he said at first, but later on I actually, I actually agreed with him. Here's what he, here's what he said. He said... Uh, he said, you hadn't, you hadn't earned anything in your ministry. You hadn't worked for anything. Everything you got has been given to you. You've had it easy. Everything you got has been given to you. And it kind of made me upset at first because I think about, well, I, I kind of have been a few, through a few things, but, but I thought, you know what? He's exactly right. Everything in my life has come from the hand of a gracious God. And he might have been jealous of some things in my life, but he didn't have any reason to be jealous because if he'd have just looked around his life, God had blessed him too with so many good things. Don't live your life being bitter and jealous and angry. Look around. I guess maybe we can we circle back around to thankfulness? Just be thankful for what God's given you. If God elevate, if God uses somebody else to kill that giant and you, you march into town with them and they get all the recognition and they get that second verse and that second verse is better than your first verse, why don't you just join in and sing that second verse with them? Why don't you just lift somebody else up? How about, how about that brotherly love Paul talked about in honor, preferring one another? Preferring somebody else. That means I'm going to take you. Come here, Brother Brian. It means I'm going to take him. He's standing behind me, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put him in the forefront. I don't mind standing in the background. That's, prefer, that's what preferring one another is. How about you do some of that? It's just jealousy is all it is. Let's search your heart. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening this evening. That's just what was on my heart. And uh, Brother Brian's going to sing a song. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Maybe we need to examine our heart. Maybe we need a revival of thanksgiving, thankfulness in our heart when it comes to this thing of, uh, of jealousy. Lord, help us to be thankful for what we have.